Hey, y'all. My name is Jonathan Martin, and welcome back to the Zeitcast. So I want to share something with you. want to get right to it, but want to give you just a little context for this. This is a sermon I preached this morning at Greencastle Presbyterian Church um, here in Greencastle, Indiana. First time I've ever been there. My dear friend, Wes Kendall, who's a delightful human, is the pastor there. And hey, I never, it always feels pretentious to say to, uh, with too much certainty, what the Spirit is or is not doing. What I will tell you is that I had that familiar suspicion of something that certainly felt like the Holy Spirit early this morning. Woke up way earlier than intended, stumbled in this article that was harrowing, frightening, but felt so right for the moment. The lectionary text today is John 10, where Jesus uh, beautifully talks about himself as the is the good shepherd. And there is a phrase there that's been lingering in my mind, rumbling around for months where Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. He talks about how they won't follow the voice of the stranger because they know his voice. And some of you know, I've been going on for a minute about this idea of the sound of God, that there is a tenderness of vulnerability. There is a different qualitatively a different kind of sound that God makes that I think can be discerned and I think has to be discerned in moments like the one that we're in. The story I read this morning that so unsettled me, but also provoked me. Uh, so mom, I believe she was in Arizona, gets a call one day out of the blue and a uh, guy says he's kidnapped her daughter and saying all these terrible things he's going to do to her if they don't get a money within the next few minutes. And she hears her daughter's voice and her daughter's uh, crying, um, hysterical. Not only, by the way, not only does she hear her voice, it's, it's her voice exactly the way she sounds when she's upset. And so, of course, the mother is all to pieces, only to within a couple minutes after that to get a call from her daughter, who's safe and fine, doesn't understand what's going on. And uh, of course, the mom just, just flips out. Well, as it turns out, uh, apparently now with the rise of artificial intelligence and specifically voice recognition technology, it's pretty easy to take a small chunk of a person's speech pattern and to be able then to generate that artificially in a way that's incredibly convincing. So this mom who knows her daughter better than anybody in the world has is utterly convinced this is her daughter in distress. What a terrifying, terrifying situation. And somehow that just caused these words to land a different way. I mean, my sheep know my voice. Has it ever been any more difficult to discern the voice of the Good Shepherd when there's so many voices competing for our attention, so many of them that claim to speak in the name of God, so many different truth claims, uh, competing sources and centers of authority, uh, and we all, I think, feel that pull in all different directions. How do you know what to believe? So this idea of the sound of God and specifically then recognizing the voice of Jesus. How do we tell the voice of Jesus apart from all the other voices? Um, just seems like a really resonant thing for me right now. So I wanna share that sermon with you. It feels worth saying. Uh, last week I preached at Goban United Methodist Church. This week here at Greencastle Presbyterian here in town. My day job as the director of the Center for Spiritual Life at DePaul University is very involved right now because we've only got about two weeks left of school. However, uh, summer, I'll be taking some time off to be with my family and be much more open to those kinds of things. So I just thought I'd mention that. 
always open to speak at events. If you go to my website, jonathanmartinwords.com, if you have anything you'd like to pitch to us um, between me and my friend Jim Chafee, who helps me with these things, uh, would be thrilled to uh, uh, to come to your town to help in any way that I can. Always enjoy getting to connect. I've never been to Greencastle Presbyterian, and what a gift my time was with that community. And and by the way, sometimes I have these moments of like, uh, as a Church of God boy, remember Stanley Howard was saying that to me one time, you know, like, uh, what does what a boy from the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, have to learn from Catholic moral theology? It's just fun that a boy from the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, gets to preach to Presbyterians. If you're Presbyterians out there, hey, I like y'all. I enjoy you Presbyterians. It was a lovely time this morning. And those times are always a gift for for me as well. So no, I'm uh, I'm out there. I'm available for that. Um, as always, if you like, if you comment, if you subscribe, if you share, those things help so much with the podcast. So thank you for anything you can do to help us keep this thing going. For those of you who give on Patreon in any way, uh, an overwhelming thank you um, for your generosity. And we're always uh, needing more help that direction. So uh, also through the website, you can connect with Patreon. And I'm certainly grateful for anybody who's able to partner with me to be able to keep this thing going. In any case, wherever you came from, however you got here, whatever's happening in your life, my guess is not because I think I'm especially prophetic or uh, clairvoyant here. I just, I feel like there's pretty good grounds to believe that your head is full of all kinds of clutter and noise and that you're hearing an awful lot of voices. I hope Today, you hear something um, of a sound that rings truthful, of a sound of a voice that might be still and small, might not be as loud as some of the others, but that calls you by your true name. You know that voice. You know that voice. And you trust that voice, even if it gets buried under the others sometimes. So I hope you hear something of the voice today. Thanks again for being here on the Zeitcast. Let's, without further ado, step right on in over to Greencastle Presbyterian. To your seats with your parents or go back to the nursery. That'd be great. So, Jonathan, thank you again for being with us. And um, I'll just say a few more words. Uh, one, I have a friend up in Indianapolis. And uh, when he found out that you became the new chaplain, spiritual life director, he's like, the Jonathan Martin? Because <laughs> Jonathan has actually had this really rich history of being involved with churches. It runs deep in his family. Uh, but like many young people today, he has realized that God's grace can't be contained within the church. And he has a powerful story of just how God has been moving in his life. But he's also been a blessing to this community already. If you were at the Mendenhall Lecture Series this year, um, it was amazing. And there were two nights of very good and deep and honest conversation about what it looks like to be Christian in our culture uh, in very prophetic ways. But as you said, very Jesus-like ways as well. And um, I was blessed. I was just there on Monday. But as we say in the, the good ways, we went to church. And um, Shane Claiborne was there. Otis Moss was there. And you just felt the spirit of God in that place. But that was a lot of your hard work. So thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you for the work that you're doing with the students. And thank you for bringing the word today.
Well, good morning. Um, I can't tell if this is flying everywhere. Uh, it is so, so good to be here. Wes, thank you for that gracious introduction. That was really meaningful to me. And I just can't say enough this morning. This is not just uh, saying this in the polite way that preachers say. It's really an honor to get to to be here. What a beautiful church. It's a beautiful facility, beautiful building. Um, what a wonderful sense of community and sense of the Holy Spirit that I sense here. I feel very at home, so thank you for that. Um, I don't take for granted. I did just move here to Greencastle in July of last year. So uh, and you, you can probably tell from how I talk I'm not from around here. Is that fair to say? Uh, that's North Carolina you hear. Moved here most recently from Oklahoma, but North Carolina most of my life. And um, yeah, a lot I could say about that. So my, to put it mildly, my background is not Presbyterian. I always say that my background is hillbilly Pentecostal. Um, we were the wild Pentecostals, like the rural, like Appalachian Pentecostals. And my, uh, my dad's a preacher. Uh, he turned 77 next week. My grandfather was also a minister. Uh, he's been gone for a long time. But yeah, it's, it's part of the, what I love about the mystery of the family of God and all of the beautiful work I get to do now. Like, it's, it's so cool to be worshiping with Presbyterians. Um, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, uh, and there were so many, I have wonderful things to say about my tradition, but of course we were kind of in that corner of Pentecostals, uh, where we thought we were the only ones going to heaven. And, um, it, it would not be true to say we did not have liturgy, but we felt very strongly that liturgy should not be written down. So it wasn't that we didn't have a liturgy because realistically the same things would happen the same time every week. Uh, even the same sweet old lady would shout at the same time in the service. You're just not supposed to write those things down. So uh, growing up, I was suspicious of of liturgy. And part of what's been interesting about my journey coming from where I come from, I don't know why I just feel like telling these kind of stories right now. Um, I think about, I, I took my sweet little Baptist girlfriend when I was in the 10th grade to our camp meeting. And I remember, because this would happen when I would bring a guest just praying that nothing wild was going to happen that night. And we went through this whole service that was like relatively tame. I mean, by our centers, it was really tame. We're on the second row. And I was like, I felt like I dodged a bullet. And the night evangelist then called for somebody, uh, to called somebody out to pray for him. And he had this deal where instead of laying hands on people, he would, I know this is very foreign for almost everybody here. He would lay his Bible on people and they would fall out under the power of the whole deal. So he hits the guy with the Bible, like, bam, like he goes out. And I'm like, oh, man, this is, this, is winding, this is winding up. And he did something I'd actually never seen in church before at that point. He said, I need some big men to come in because he's a large man uh, to get Brother Small up. Ironically, his name is Brother Small, very large man. They come and they pick up Brother Small, hits him with the Bible, bam, goes out into power again. He performed what I dubbed the seven dipper on old Brother Small. Just kept seven times in the Bible, like you go out and it's like, you can imagine having to explain this to your Baptist girlfriend and then way home was very, there's was very awkward. So that I came from like that level of wild to then finding liturgy in so many ways to save my life. So while I still think I have some of the wildness in me, um, the liturgy is very much in me. And one of the things I love so much about what I get to do now is living at the intersection of uh, the traditions, the way that I do. And I am seeing God by the spirit do some amazing things at DePaul. I love DePaul. I love the community there. It's good to see some familiar faces that I know and love from the university, uh, but it's, it's a special place. And it is, 
a very sweet gift for me being able to do what I do as a Christian chaplain, as well as then support uh, folks from other faith traditions on our campus. A lot I could say about that, but I do, I do want to get to uh, to the text this morning. If you allow just a quick plug, I ran out of these and I didn't wasn't able to get them in time. I did put out a book in June. Uh, my newest book is called "The Road Away from God: How Love Finds Us Even as We Walk Away." Spoiler alert: It is not. Uh, a book about a descent into atheism. It's my account of the Emmaus Road and the disciples walking away in disillusionment and despair, uh, thinking that they're on the road away from God and actually finding that they're on a collision course with the risen Jesus, which is how I feel about um, a lot of things that are happening in culture right now, where I think a lot of people are experiencing disillusionment and disenchantment, they think with God, but I think is actually a form of faith. Uh, that may actually be leading to resurrections. That's what that's about. If you want to check that out, I hate I don't have more to uh, to share. But um, and I, I feel like this is a lot of preliminary remarks. If you in, indulge me in one more thing, I really want to say on the in, because I do trust the spirit at work in the liturgy, and I've come to deeply trust the lectionary. Uh, I pray from the Book of Common Prayer every morning, and I follow this liturgical path, and I follow these texts. You know, that if I can say that was something funny, too, about what, because even when I started preaching, I started preaching when I was 19 years old. Can you imagine that? I love 19-year-olds, but now the idea of like 19-year-old me preaching is, is pretty wild. And not having uh, the lectionary then, it was sort of left up to, you know, whatever I was feeling from one week to the next. My, You can imagine my surprise in finding, oh, I feel like the Holy Spirit is kind of DJ-like at work. In the lectionary, imagine that, that it seems like there's always the right text for just the right moment, which is why I don't do the thing, you know, even when I'm preaching other places, I don't have like 10 red hot uh, sermons I travel around with. I really try to follow this wherever I am, even sometimes when I'm in places where the tradition's not to follow the lectionary, I trust the lectionary. So um, with this reading about the Good Shepherd, and we already had that wonderful reading from Ezekiel and I love the children's sermon. I, I just feel like I have to say, he didn't ask me to say this, I'm not being paid to say this. Um, you have to recognize in Wes that you do have a faithful shepherd here. And, you know, it's very rare that I encounter people in ministry that have that kind of heart, that kind of tenderness that for me is so recognizably Jesus. That's one of the first things I thought meeting was like, man, this is just, this is a Jesus person. This is just one of the immediately felt so at home with him. And I just know it's, it's an extraordinary thing to have a shepherd that you're able to trust. And I know that you do. And just the, the way that he walks with the spirit, the way I know that he carries you, um, what a gift. So Wes, thank you for the pastor and the leader that you are and the shepherd that you are. Um, it's beautiful to see the, the fruit of your work here in your community. And I know y'all appreciate him. You don't have to clap if you don't want to, but you know, if you want to like, you want to say, again, I know you don't necessarily say amen, but who knows you might before this all said and done. I don't know. John chapter 10 is our text this morning. <laughs> Finally, guys get into some scripture. John chapter 10, beginning with verse one. Oh, we have this for the screen. I'll just do it that way. Very truly, I tell you. Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Would you pray with me just one more time? God, we just ask now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would illumine the word of God to become alive in us. And we do believe and trust that this is a living word. And we are in need of that living word right now. So I just ask in these next few moments that in whatever ways that we need to experience you, in whatever ways we need to encounter you, whatever healing that we need, whatever in us that needs to be soothed, whatever in us that needs to be challenged, uh, we just truly want to be led by your spirit. But we want to hear the voice of the good shepherd. So quiet our hearts now, our imagination to truly be able to hear the word of God for the people of God. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I don't know whether or not this is the Holy Spirit, but it was one of those things that was weird to me, and I felt like I should share this. I woke up very early this morning, earlier than I meant to, and I read a news story that I just kind of stumbled into that just I haven't been able to stop thinking about. And I know this is a little bit heavy, but the story is, so there's this, there was a woman in Arizona. She gets a call. Uh, this was in the last couple of weeks. She got a call where the person on the other line says, I've kidnapped your daughter. And he says all the terrible things that he's going to do to her if they don't get him $10,000 in like the next two hours. And what makes this all the more harrowing is that the daughter speaks and she's in tears. She's hysterical. She's begging her mom for help. Uh, of course, she uh, just about loses her mind. Well, so within a few minutes of this, um, as she's already called the police and trying to figure out what to do with, you know, this whole hostage situation, making demands and all that, she gets a call from her daughter on her daughter's cell phone and she's at school and she's fine. And she says to her mom, I don't understand what, what you're freaking out about. And of course, then she's, her first response is she's pretty angry at her daughter. Like she thinks this is some elaborate prank. Like, how could you do this to me? Well, um, as it turns out, what had happened is that they had actually, and apparently this is becoming more and more common, they had actually sampled her voice and used it to kind of generate AI, an AI a simulation of her voice. So when 
She heard her daughter's voice in duress on the phone. It was not her daughter, but it was her same patterns of speech. It was in a way the same sound. And I just thought it's one of those moments, and I'm I'm not one of these people that goes around like, you know, acting like the sky is falling with technology, but I'm aware of so many things. Like we're taking in more information on any given day than anyone else has in the history of the world, without exaggeration. We're rewiring our brains. We're breaking our brains. Things are coming at us at light speed. The great crisis of our time in many ways, right, is a crisis of authority. How do you know who to trust when that many different people are competing for your attention, all saying very different kinds of things? And I just thought, gosh, there's something so uniquely frightening, something uniquely harrowing about the idea that someone's voice can be duplicated in such a way to where uh, a mother doesn't know that it's not her daughter's voice. Like it's that, it's that exact with the technology. And it made me hear what Jesus says in John 10 a little bit differently. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep will know my voice. They will not follow the voice of a stranger. My sheep know my voice. Now, because I'm living in the same world that you are, and because I also experience this crisis of competing voices that clamor for my attention, and because so many of them claim in some form or another to speak in the name of God. And we know how true this is in every arena now, don't we? Like, we don't, there's not a common source that we trust. So it's not like, well, hey, uh, if you don't really know what to believe tonight, if you just watch 60 Minutes, then you're really, there, no, there's no consensus on 60 Minutes. That, there's just that kind of authority doesn't exist in any direction. Well, my great aunt saw this on Facebook. That sounds right. Someone else posted this. That also seems like it could be true. And then especially when so many people claim to speak for God, how do we discern that? How do we know the voice of the shepherd apart from all the other voices. There was a time in my life when I would have made it as as simple, I think, as, well, is it in line with the scripture? Are they quoting scripture? But y'all know, and I feel like this is this is real preachy and real like fundamental, but y'all know, just coming through, you hear the I get more southern the the more I get into a thing. The having just walked through Lent and that whole season leading in Easter, always we revisit the temptation in the wilderness. And as you'll recall, Satan is perfectly proficient at quoting scripture, chapter and verse. Like he doesn't get the words wrong. The the words themselves are not wrong. And yet he's taking these scriptures out of context, throws them at Jesus. Yeah, it's so I feel like it's not as simple for me anymore as uh, whether or not somebody's quoting Bible. You can quote Bible for to, to justify all kinds of things, to this stacking Bible verses. I don't think that's it. There's something that just lands really deeply for me right now about this idea. My sheep will know my voice. The thing I've been thinking about really for the last couple months, I don't know how you feel about this. It's my working theory right now. Surely there is a sound to the voice of God. Sure, there is a sound to the voice of Jesus. And I know we haven't 
had all um, one-on-one conversations with him. Well, I actually don't think that's true. I think you have, we have conversations with Jesus all the time, don't we? But no, we've heard his voice that way. But I am coming to believe that there is a sound to the voice of Jesus, a discernible sound. I know it when I hear it, not because I think I'm a great Christian, but I do feel like I'm familiar enough with the voice of Jesus at this point. I uh, even saying the things I did about Wes earlier, it's like I, I recognize that sound in people. And I'm so, I'm so grateful whenever I hear that sound for me, that is a sound of home. And there's some things that for me are, are just are characteristics of that sound. That sound is a sound that is tender, but the voice of Jesus, I find to be one that's consistently tender. Doesn't mean it's never confronts, but there's a tenderness to the voice of Jesus. There is a vulnerability to the voice of Jesus. This might sound a little too simplistic, but it's something I've really, um, I hang on to a lot these days. You know, the very first time that Satan proper appears in the Old Testament, because, you know, people talk about the serpent in the garden, but, you know, that doesn't directly reference Satan. The first reference we have to Satan proper is in the book of Job. And Literally in Hebrew, it's uh, Hasadim. It is the accuser. Satan is the accuser. And I think so much these days about how the very heart of whatever we believe evil is in Scripture, the idea is that the Satan, it is the voice of accusation, the voice of the accuser. Whereas Jesus is described as the advocate we have with God. Jesus the advocate that we have with, with God the Father in the language of 1 John. And so part of what I've come to believe, which again, doesn't mean there's never accountability or nobody ever needs to be called out for something. But I do think, generally speaking, there's something about the voice of Jesus. I am far more likely to tune into when I hear someone advocating as opposed to accusing. I I just don't think the voice of God sounds like accusation. I don't think the voice of God sounds like scapegoating. It's all somebody else's fault. Well, that's the kind of thing I want to believe. I want to hear that sometimes. That brings me comfort sometimes. Outrage, but I don't think, can you really imagine, do you, do you just, do you imagine sitting around with Jesus and hearing a whole lot of outrage? Can you imagine Jesus sitting there like, I tell you what, I just can't believe what they did. That doesn't seem like Jesus. Part of what, the beauty of what we see in Jesus over and over again is he always, he sees the thing beneath the thing. He sees whatever brokenness, he sees the pain. He always sees like beneath all that. I just, you just can't really imagine Jesus going around being outraged all the time. So whenever anybody's like trying to stoke the outrage button in me, like I'm immediately suspicious of this. He's like, yeah, I don't recognize that sound. I don't think that's what the voice of Jesus sounds like. Uh, judgment in a certain kind of way, I don't think is what the voice of Jesus sounds like. I do believe in a God of judgment. We can say a lot about Jesus as judge in the book of Revelation. But see, God's judgment is very different from my judgment. My judgment is, if you slight me, I want to take you out. My ju- which is funny because I'm really a Clark Kent, low-key like personality until I get personally offended and then it becomes a whole other thing. And then, you know, if somebody flips me off on the road or something deeper, when I feel like a, a wound, like some kind of offense, oh, the, the, the rage that burns, the fire that burns. But God's judgment is not like my judgment. God's judgment restores. It doesn't destroy. 
God's fire is not like my fire. God's fire purifies. We get this language, by the way, specifically through the Apostle Paul. The East Orthodox Church, by the way, does this a whole lot better than we do in the West, understanding that the fire of God purifies, that there is a refiner's fire. So um, judgment may, in fact, be uncomfortable. Judgment calls us to look at ourselves in the mirror. Judgment may call us into account, but it doesn't wipe out. It doesn't destroy. So whenever I'm hearing voices, they're like full of outrage and trying to get me to be outraged and blame all my problems on somebody else, no matter who the somebody else is. Because you understand I've lived just long enough and gone enough different paths to where that's been a bit of a moving target. (laughs) There was a time in my life when I was young, when it was one kind of people, one category of people. We were holiness Pentecostals and everybody was worldly. We didn't go to movies. Uh, you didn't swim with the opposite sex. There are all kinds of rules. Anybody who's breaking those rules is like the world. But, you know, uh, there was there have been other seasons in my life where I was so angry and so hurt by people that I deemed as being religious uh, that judgment swung real far the other direction. What I'm trying to be sensitive to now is this idea, okay, I just don't think God is at work in the outrage and the scapegoating one direction or the other. And I'm trying to just trying to be more sensitive to that. What is what does the voice of the good shepherd really sound like? I'll wind this up quickly enough, but I hadn't thought about this in a long time. I had an Old Testament professor who's a remarkable man. I mean, he's a I truly consider to be a prophet. Um, he wouldn't say that about himself. I don't know that any prophet would, but it's like he he's immersed himself so long in the study of the prophets. He's really become one. He a little weird, frankly, but in ways that I love, like weird and wonderful. And I remember uh, because he is one of the people I, I most in my life I've known who I feel like truly hears the voice of God, speaks on God's behalf in ways that are reliable that I trust. I remember someone asking Dr. Ricky Moore one day. How do you know the voice of God? Like, how do you tell the voice of God apart from all the other voices? And he said something I'll, I'll never forget. He said, I know the voice of God because it's the one that always breaks my heart. Thought about that so many times. It's the voice that breaks my heart. It's the voice that goes crossways. It's why I look for that tenderness underneath. It's why I look for the tender thing. It's like, because I just think there is something about the voice of God that is supposed to break our hearts but it doesn't stoke the same kind of fire. And so I'm saying all this to you this morning by way of encouragement that Jesus does call us to be sheep that know his voice, that know the sound of his voice. They can tell the difference between the voice of love and the voice of the stranger. And I can't think of a moment, historically speaking, uh, not to think our time is the most important or something, but where there's ever been a need for more discernment in that way, to listen truly for the tender, vulnerable voice of the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his own life for the sheep. That's part of, for me, why this deal about God as advocate rather than accuser is so important. Uh, Jesus doesn't accuse. Jesus is the one who, in face of accusation, offers his own, offers his own life in self-sacrifice. That voice has a different sound. So I just want to encourage this morning to listen for that sound. That sound is trustworthy. 
The sound of the good shepherd is faithful and true and trustworthy. And we follow that sound wherever it leads us. I'm riffing a lot this morning because that's kind of what I do. But, you know, I got to tell you, one of the things I love so much about this season of my life is that on any given day uh, during the week, I'm thinking, I am doing all kinds of things that I couldn't have imagined doing in any other place in my life. And yet I have this, this consistent sense of revelation to that of, you know, I truly believe I followed that voice to where I am now. And that's part of what's so beautiful about it. I, I feel like everybody is in uh, such an apocalyptic, you know, again, the world's falling apart mode. I, I almost can't work myself into it because I think doing what I get to do with students and it's like, it's such a, I see too many beautiful things to be, uh, to, to go around depressed all the time in that way. I mean, depression's very real. You know what I mean? I, I'm not like in despair over the world all the time. I'm seeing God by the spirit at work in surprising ways. But the reason I'm open to that surprise is because I've been trying to follow the voice of the good shepherd. Sometimes that takes me places I could not have imagined going. Do you remember what Jesus says to Peter? When you were young, you dressed yourself and you went whenever you want, but the time is coming when someone will lead you where you do, where you do not choose to go. Oh, so many things happen all the time where I feel like I am being led in places where I wouldn't have exactly chosen to go. And yet, I'm so glad I'm trusting that voice because there is still the surprise and the wonder of God showing up in all kinds of unexpected places and unexpected ways. I'm too far into this to, to not continue to be overwhelmed by, to not continue to seek out the surprise of God in that way. Can I just say it like that? If you're not experiencing the surprise of God in your life, you're doing something wrong. I don't mean like there's sin in your life doing something wrong. I'm saying that if there's not still, that's what the the beauty of following the good shepherd is that we can get in all kinds of situations that we don't understand and we can be in all kinds of places we may not understand. Uh, but when we're following that voice that we trust and we know the one who's called us, oh, it's amazing how places that might have otherwise just been frightening for us can all of a sudden be places where it's pretty exciting to be because yeah, like there might be a lot of things that are upside down, but we know that voice. We know that voice of love. We know that voice of tenderness. Let's pray one more time. So God, my simple prayer this morning is that you would allow us today to be aligned to your voice. I feel like I'm, I'm saying some of these things in ways that, uh, (laughs) may feel like uh, as if I figured this out or something when the truth is we are, we are desperate to be aligned to your voice. We are desperate to hear that still small voice, that voice that breaks our heart, that voice that makes us more compassionate, more tender, not harder. And so I ask for the grace today that you, by your spirit, could just once again orient us to that voice, that we would discern the voice of the good shepherd wherever we hear it, that we would not follow the stranger, but that we would trust the sound, the sound of God, the sound of the good shepherd that always leads us home. We ask this again in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pastor, I turn this over to you now. 